this is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. And welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, proudly sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your host, Gymnastic, and you can find me at Twitter at GoldJacketQBs. I'm joined, as always, by the other host of this show, Connor Donald. You can find him on Twitter at Connor10. We're proud members of the True North Fantasy Football Network. Make sure to check out the entire network on Twitter at TrueNorthFFB, YouTube at the TNFF Network, and on the internet at TrueNorthFFB.com. And our newest platform, you know I don't know about it, it's Instagram, and we're TrueNorthFFB. You can find articles, rankings, podcasts, streams, well, everything. Welcome to Week 17. If you survive this, you're in this for the championship now. It's just me and Connor this week. We're going to be talking the tutty and the muddy. And this week, it is our Gold Jacket Award show. I'm going to go bananas one last time, sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, giving you my favorite MKF prop game of the Sunday games. I went one for two last week, but thank you, Cooper Cup, my balls. And uh, if you've been watching the show and following me on Twitter, you know it's been an up and down season with a good chunk of ups, a little bit of downs. But then Connor is going to be going gold and fool's gold, giving you his starts and sits for week 17. But first up, Connor, man, what is happening? Man, I uh, I can't believe we're at the end of the season, man. It feels like we spent more time going through everything in the offseason and getting people prepared for these 17 weeks than we actually get to enjoy the 17 weeks of football and the fantasy, the fantasy football that comes with it. So, is wild that we're at the end of it, but it's even funner that we get to sit back and actually enjoy the next like six weeks of football. We actually get to watch the games, cheer for our teams, and really hope for, you know, getting to the playoffs, hoping for some big things, maybe like, uh, you know, a Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. Um, for me, I just get in as an Eagles fan, it's get into the playoffs and prove a ton of people wrong because we were ranked below. <laughs> So many people ranked us below the lines on so many things. Like you got y'all gotta be delusional for that. But yeah, anyways, like you said, we're gonna get into Tiny and Muddy, and this week we're gonna do the gold jacket awards show. Um, usually we make it a, a whole show about and we throw give out some awards and stuff, but this week we decide this year we decided to throw it in to the first half hour of the show, and uh we are gonna dive into those awards right away um let's start with our mps obviously the 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 one award that everybody it's the most obvious award there's an mvp in everything so there's got to be an mvp in fantasy and we actually both pick differently yours is very intriguing so i'll go with mine because i feel like it's a pretty chalk one although i feel like a lot of people jonathan taylor truther truthers will lose their mind over this but i went with cooper cup Cooper Cup is the number one player in all of fantasy right now. And it goes without saying, if you're the number one player in all of fantasy, quarterback, running back, tight end, no matter name the position, it don't matter. He's the number one guy. 
I, you got to go with Cooper Cup. And you didn't have to invest in him if you invested in a startup. You didn't have to invest in him like he was going to be an MVP, man. The dude was drafted like nearly, I think he was like 15, 16, 17, 18 range. So you weren't even drafting him as a wide receiver one. It depend all depended on how your draft went. So I got to go with Cooper Cup, even though the Jonathan Taylor fans will probably be losing their mind over it. Couldn't go with Jonathan Taylor when you got this guy who's averaging almost two points more per game than JT. Okay, so it's going to shock people when they see this name that I come up with. So, man, it's most valuable player. And I get guy, what you're saying. And the guy that's most valuable, in fact, that you had to invest in zero capital in him, um, you said no matter where he is in the field, he's number one. That's this guy for the team, man. You want to line him up? Hell, even sleepers got him listed as a running back and a wide receiver. You want him listed as a running back? He's your number one. Want him listed as a wide receiver? He's your number one. One thing he doesn't list as is a tight end, but that's who cares, man. That's Cordell Patterson. Um, He's my fantasy MVP. He's been lighting it up. Lighting it up. And uh, for the investment that you put in him, he's the most valuable man for me. Anyway, that's... That's the way I interpreted this award. That's the way I'm going with it. And uh, there's nobody here that can really challenge me except for you. So I like, I like, and you know what? At the end of the day, he may not have been great the last couple weeks, but he probably carried a lot of your teams to the point that you got to. No, with his performance good week in and week every get. week. Oh, uh, I don't know, man. If you look at Cooper Cup's finishes, my friend, you will see there was very few drop offs from top uh, top twelve performances. But you said very few, right? Very so not few. Ev- so not every week. Not every single week. Perfect. I mean, hopefully Excellent. Cordero Patterson does not disappear. Like, if you made it this far, hopefully he gives you that one final week and gives you that championship really gives you that MVP vibe that you're looking for. Um, but, yeah, that's a good choice. I, I get where you're coming from in that regard. And, I mean, we got to be different. It is a, it is a situation – I can definitely agree with you with because you invested nothing in this guy except your fab. And he was the probably best person to have spent your fab on. You can argue Elijah Mitchell, but he's also missed like six games for you. So, but you can't argue Cordero Patterson was an amazing spend. If you went right out week one and grabbed him. And after that, you were spending a lot more fab on him if you had to go and spend it. But I like it. Comeback player of the year. So this is why I went with Cordero Patterson because Come back well, he had to have been there in order to come back. He's never been there in nine years. This is his exactly. first time. <laughs> well, exactly. That's that's my thing. So our comeback player of the year is not going to be in regard to injuries. Our comeback player of the year is going to be a guy who's or injuries or hasn't been there or whatever. And I go, I go with Cordell Patterson because he's never been there, man. The guy's been clearly misused. And Arthur Smith is a guy who just unlocked everything in this guy. And also the fact that Calvin Ridley's not there. Russell Gage missed a bunch of time. Kyle Pitts has been not amazing. He's been good, but not amazing. So yeah, Cordero Patterson being the number one weapon in an offense and bringing your offense, bringing some of your fantasy teams to where they got to, you got to give him the comeback player of the year award. Even if I don't give him the MVP award, comeback player of the year for me, Cordero Patterson. I like it. Uh, so my comeback player of the year award for me is a guy that is now lighting it up. He was forgotten about in drafts this past season for an up-and-coming rookie that was lighting it on fire in his rookie season in the red zone and hyper production, and that was Brandon Ayuk. But the comeback player is 
his teammate Debo Samuel. And on the fact of the matter is, if you if you vested in Debo and you passed on AU for the hype, you're probably in a championship game right now. Um, I know I'm going into a championship week where that's ah, a little bit different, but I am taking Debo this week and I am hoping for big things. Um, for me, he is a comeback player. He did some good things as a rook, got forgotten about after his injury because Brandon Ayuk was a new hotness. Even myself, I fell into the I fell into the trap. It seemed to be now more like a Pittsburgh Steeler thing, where get the get the most, the cheapest guy in there, right? Whether it be Kittle, Ayuk, or or Debo, because they're all going to eventually light it up in one week or two. But this guy, Debo, is seems to be the guy for this year. Who knows about next year? But this year, it's Debo. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love Debo, and I wrote an article. I have already admitted I was wrong in the article as we speak. It was an avoid Brandon Ayuk in a in a in our True North fantasy thing that we did together. It was who were you buying and who were you avoiding? I put Brandon Ayuk, and my concern was opportunity. That still remains true. I'm not denying the talent. I'm not denying that the man can give you some great games but he does not give you consistency. Debo Samuel gave you consistency week in and week out, and he is a reason so many people are fearing the backfield now because this dude is getting carries. This guy is receiving the football. He is doing it all for this team. It's crazy. He's got seven touchdowns and over 300 yards rushing, and then he has over 900 yards in the receiving game. This guy is doing it all for this team, and he is taken from Ayuk. He is taken from whoever is a running back on the given week, and he is taking a little bit of everything to make himself the guy you want outside of maybe George Kittle. But at the time, you could have gotten Debo Samuel. In my article, I think I wrote, he was going as a wide receiver 40. Brandon Ayuk was going as a wide receiver 14 in startups. So that just goes to show there will be no better value than that because Debo is going to go for a ton more this year. But I just wanted to add that about Debo Samuel just to, you know, say I was right on the uh, Debo front. I was very wrong on the Brandon Ayuk front. But my concerns stay true with Brandon Ayuk at least. <laughs> so biggest surprise performer. I got Debo Samuel in this category. We already discussed Debo Samuel at length. So I got to go with Debo in the biggest surprise performer because he was beat where he was being drafted. You were not expecting this. He surprised the living hell out of you. But some people kind of had this inclination that there was a potential in him to do this. But nobody thought that this was actually going to happen to this extent. He's become a key weapon that is going to have to stay going forward in San Francisco. San Francisco has some very unique weapons in Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle. Still probably don't want any part of that backfield because I think it just gets muddier by the week. But Debo Samuel is someone you want. Brandon Ayuk is someone you want. And George Kittle is definitely somebody you want, depending on where they're all going and where you're drafting. What about you for biggest surprise player, Jim? Uh, so you can take this a number of ways. Uh, mine's Jalen Hurts. It could be surprising like that he was the QB1 uh, after this offseason when you could have sold him for an immense profit. Uh, you could be surprised that he sustained that QB1 for a long time. Um, you could be surprised that he hasn't somehow lost his job in real life. That There's a lot of ways that you could be surprised about Jalen Hurts in his, in his, uh, in his season this this thus far in, in 2021, man. Uh, so he's, he's the biggest surprise for me.
Absolutely. And he's a QB six right now, QB five in average. So, I mean, the guy's still producing. He's had a couple damn weeks when he actually became really good for real life football. And, uh, but he's now starting to get that mix where he's good for real life football, but he's also been good. Like he's not, he doesn't have to be bad to be good for fantasy. So he's found that mix where he's doing good for real life football and for fantasy. Um, so I definitely like that one with Jalen Hurts. That's a good one because he was a surprise. He was being drafted like this, but he, how many people really expecting? A lot of people probably turned quickly traded him and turned him for what they could. And, uh, you might be looking smart, but you might also be regretting it, but there's still a lot more to come on whether he's going to be the future going forward. So there's still lots of off season talk that we'll probably have with that, depending on how the Eagles finish for fantasy um this one i broke up into two categories biggest disappointment non-injury biggest disappointment from an injury perspective my biggest disappointment non-injury darren waller man you invested so heavily in this dude and he has been banged up he has been inconsistent when on the field he sees a lion's share of targets and now there's going to be a massive question mark hanging over his head next year yes he has a contract yes he's good but who's his quarterback going to be? Who's his coach going to be? What's the scheme going to look like? There's a, so many other things. Obviously, we don't never overrule any of this for talent. But Vegas is about to look a lot different next year, I think. There was even discussions about Derek Carr being sat for Marcus Mariota so that they could explore if Marcus Mariota might be a quarterback that they can stick with going forward instead of Derek Carr. So it's crazy. Vegas is a muddy, muddy situation. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad I'm not heavily invested in Vegas, but Derek Waller had to be the biggest disappointment. You would, you drafted him as a top three tight end. You drafted him probably in the first five rounds of your draft, four rounds, probably even maybe three rounds of the draft and look what ended up happening with him. I had him in Scott Fishbowl, so I can stand uh, with that and say very disappointing. Uh, I went with the entire New York Giants offense, whether it be Evan Ingram and you went dumpster diving on the tight end, whether you <laughs> went with Kadarius Tony in the second or third round of your rookie drafts and saw the promise and just hampered by that offensive line and COVID, whether it be Daniel Jones because you saw the potential in the deep ball and his rushing ability as a QB light that you can get late round. No matter what you saw in, the, in that potential in the New York Giants offense, it has all, all failed you. Didn't matter which well you tried to dip your toe in, it all dried up, baby. So that is my biggest disappointment from a non-injury standpoint was no matter which way you went for the New York Giants offense, they disappointed you really, really bad. Yeah, I definitely think that the New York Giants offense is a lesson in if things are might look really bad, you should probably avoid it because they're probably going to be really bad. I mean, there's a there's a few lessons that we learned. I mean, you look at the Houston Texans, you couldn't find anyone. You look at the New York Giants. I mean, there was some potential, but there was also you were staring down like this could go one of two ways. And it went really the wrong way. It went really south. Saquon Barkley owners, Kenny Galladay owners. Uh, because Kenny Galladay was being drafted likely as your second or your third wide receiver. Um, 
Evan Ingram, like you said, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony. There's so many names, and there was just so much disappointment. Each of them probably had that one game, and you were like, man, there's a chance. And then they had like five plus games that showed you, damn, this offense is bad. So that's a good one. I like that one. I debated Saquon Barkley for this category, but you nailed it with the Giants offense as a whole. Um, most disappointing injury of the year had to be Derrick Henry. I know people want to say Christian McCaffrey because obviously Christian McCaffrey drafted him as, you know, the RB1 and such. But to me, Derrick Henry is still, by last look, I think he was still an RB1 on the year. He might just be outside uh, RB1 right now. And he has played eight games. Eight games. This man was vitally important to your team. And people were left scrambling for him. McCaffrey was in. He was out. He was in. He was out. He was in. There was rumors that, you know, oh, he might play this week. Oh, no, he didn't play this week. Derrick Henry was a sure thing. That's the end for him. And you were riding that wave and the value you got for Derrick Henry and the value you're going to get Derrick Henry for in 2022 is crazy, man. I've already seen some trade offers. I've had some trade offers come through. People are so undervaluing such a minor injury for a guy like Derrick Henry. Such a minor injury compared to some of the things that he's going to play week 18. There's a chance. There's a chance. And people are going to suddenly that value is going to skyrocket again because people are going to be like, oh shit, this really is a minor injury compared to a torn Achilles or torn ACL. Thank you. Kyle Senra saying half PPR Derrick Henry is currently the RB12. Thank you. So exactly. He's still an RB1. Love it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there, Connor. He's my biggest information. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and Kyle does point out not points per game, total points, which is almost, I think in points per game, Derrick Henry is the number one running back from a points per game perspective or maybe two behind JT. So it's pretty crazy, pretty crazy. But Jim, you were saying? I totally agree with you, though, as uh, the biggest disappointment there uh, from an injury perspective has got to be Derrick Henry. Um, people were clamoring at the demise of the king, heavy as the head that wears the crown. And for such a minor injury, people were uh, cheering and, and and waving the banner that they got him. And then the next week, Dalvin Cook was out. Um, but, yeah. He's if, in, if in fantasy <laughs> your analysis relies on the injury of a player – Oh, you gotta really, you gotta really reconsider how you're analyzing players because you're just hoping for bad things and no one should ever hope for, especially for football players. That's just not right. Exactly. Not right at all, man. Um waiver wire ad of the year. I put Cordell Cordero Patterson because I can guarantee there is well over probably 75-80% of teams who Cordero Patterson was not on your roster at the start of the, start of the year and was likely on the waiver wire for your league. So he has to be the best ad. I mean, whether you got him real decent, whether you were the first one to jump the gun in week one and be like, yeah, I got to get this guy, or whether you were lucky enough to get him in week two, it was an amazing ad, and he carried your team. I respect it. Um, a lot of a lot of leagues, I saw him drafted, uh, but the guy I did not see drafted, and that is because, well, hell, wasn't on a team. Um, that's Devontae Freeman. Uh, he's been a perfect waiver wire ad on a lot of my teams, anyway. A perfect, solid plug and play RB two for the weeks that that I needed him, and um, 
Man, that's impressive, Kyle. And he's the reason why uh, I didn't have to really worry about my RB2 situations. So I actually argued with a couple people that said it should be Elijah Mitchell. And I said, well, is Elijah Mitchell helping you right now win a championship? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Nope. Devontae Freeman can definitely be in your lineup as that RB2 winning you a championship. Even a flex. If you yep. if your RB somehow managed to survive the apocalypse of injuries and you're sitting there with like Austin Eckler and JT or something, some crazy way that you have these guys <laughs> on your team, Devonta Freeman's a great flex. Are you sitting there relying on a touchdown? Likely. Does he get it almost every week? Oh, hell yeah, he gets it almost every <laughs> week. So you, you bet I would be playing him in my flex. And by the way, thank you, Kyle. For the for point now, Henry has 23 points per game, JT 21.6, Eckler 18.8. Equally impressive. That's basically Henry JT running away with the running back room and half PPR scoring. Um, but yeah, Absolutely. thank you for that. Thank you for that. I mean, good point, Jim. I do like your point. Even if he wasn't someone you were playing in your RB1 or two slot, you can almost guarantee he was a flex play week in and week out, Devonta Freeman. And that's usually what you're looking for when you're getting the waiver wires. You're not getting, you're not necessarily getting Cordero Patterson who did what he did or James Robinson last year. No, like, it's no guarantee you get those hits, but a solid eight to 12 points play, every week from him. Exactly. <laughs> a solid flex play week in and week out. A perfect waiver wire addition. So that's a good one on your part there. Rookie of the year. I debated this one. This one was tough. So you, we, you picked the guy. I was debating. You should have picked is what you should have said. Yeah, exactly. The guy you should have picked. I, yeah, that could be it too. That could be, (laughs) trust me. I spent more time with this decision weighing on me all day than anything else. But I picked Najee Harris in this one based on what he's going through, based on the situation he's in. He's done really good. And I understand, you know, he, from a, from a points per game perspective, he's no Henry, he's no JT. And you probably drafted him with that expectation. But he's been really good given the circumstance. And clearly, the offensive line has reared its ugly head as a very true thing to have worried about. And Ben Roethlisberger, because he ain't fooling nobody with his pocket presence, his mobility, his anything. So that has hurt Najee Harris a lot, who's been forced to do a lot of his work pretty much by himself, yards after contact, and uh, and and working behind a really bad offensive line. So. I got Najee Harris here. Um, hopefully the years get better. They Ben Roethlisberger is gone and they get a better quarterback who really opens up the field because they got some really nice weapons in Pittsburgh. Pat Frymuth, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris. It's pretty impressive. Just got to get that quarterback. Um, yeah, the rookie of the year is Jamar Chase. <laughs> The dude has over a thousand yards. Higgins has a thousand yards. Mixon has a thousand yards. Burrow's looking elite. Should they have one offensive line? Maybe. Can they fix that next year? Absolutely. Did they nail one of the best receivers in the last little while? And I'm including that with Justin Jefferson and CD Lamb. Absolutely, they did. Agreed. You definitely, you definitely got a good one there. And you, you forgot to mention, you know, Tyler Boyd sitting there at nearly 800 yards as well. That offense is a well-oiled machine from the running back to the three wide receivers. Hey, I've said it numerous times on this broadcast that 
they're eerily built similar to the Pittsburgh Steelers with mm-hmm. the offensive line, the running game, the three elite wide receivers. Um, the only difference is they have a younger quarterback right now. It's almost like the tides are getting ready to switch, but that can always end up tilting as long as Pittsburgh gets a quarterback. And Burrow, yeah, he lacks he lacks mobility, but Burrow can throw a football fire. Ben Nobody's saying Ben has, has mobility. Throw. No, exactly. But no, but I was saying that too when I was talking about, you know, Ben Roethlisberger isn't fooling anybody with his mobility. Neither is Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow can open up a field. Ben Roethlisberger, man, when he's going over 15 yards, that thing's floating. That thing is not pretty. So you got to be able to open up the field in some way. So they really need to address that quarterback position. But I like that one with Jamar Chase. I really thought about it too. Um, so good choice there. Favorite value for 2021? I went with Debo Samuel, man. I, I talked about it. Wide receiver, you were drafting him as a wide receiver 40. You were likely drafting him as a flex play, a shot in the dark, a prayer, fourth receiver on your team, likely. And look what he turned out to be. There's a good chance he could be a future stud for you for a number of years to come. So he was a tremendous value for you in your draft if you did it in a startup or however you might have acquired him in uh I know in one of my leagues, we reamed a guy out. He gave up two seconds to get Debo Samuel at the start of the year. This guy was rebuilding, and now he's got Debo Samuel, and all he had to do was give up two seconds. It's like maybe he's not so wrong with the deal, but when you're rebuilding, Debo wasn't likely the answer. But, you know, you might be in a better situation because of what Debo's shown he can do, his versatility. So that's my favorite value. I love it. Uh, For me – it's a guy that has had questions coming into this year. I don't know if he would be a true number one receiver for his team. Could he be a wide receiver one for your fantasy team? And I feel like he's shown that he can do that going forward. He hasn't given you the most elite productions at some points, and sometimes he's been ejected from games due to personal reasons. It's Michael Pittman Jr. I love him. Uh this guy, I said, like I said, has shown promise to be part of that young elite new core of wide receivers coming up that you can plug and play in your, into your lineups. So he's he's my best value for 2021. I like it. Definitely a good one on that one. And finally, the 2022 favorite value. This one only can, I really like yours, by the way. I've didn't even think about it at the time, but I really should have. Um, I went with Travis Etienne, man, because I think like, so his values probably spiked exponentially, but you probably could have got him really low. Like I know in one of our group chats, I told you guys about a deal where I dealt Alvin Kamara. I got two firsts. I got Brandon Ayuk and I got Travis Etienne. Like Etienne is almost a high end throwaway in some deals. And you're sitting there and you're like, 100% I'm taking that. And now it's looking even like even more of a genius move because you look at the situation, James Robinson towards Achilles. Nine months out from now is the start of next season. Actually, two or three weeks into next season that James Robinson's likely good to go, usually at the minimum. Of course, Cam Akers is rewriting the playbook on torn Achilles with his five-month return. But generally, it's nine months. Travis Etienne has an opportunity, the investments there in the first round capital, and now they're going to be new coaching staff, new scheme, new everything, but there's a good chance that he's going to be part of that 
and he's going to be a major part of that. So the value may be slowly not being a value, but there was a very good value there while he was injured. And Jim, I know you got an injured running back coming back as well. Yeah. Um, my whole thing ties into my waiver wire ad. If you're paying attention earlier, and I said who was the best waiver wire ad of the year, that was Devontae Freeman. That's because the running game, baby, and he's guaranteed a tutty. Well, why has this guy got so much value? Because everybody's forgetting about him, Connor. You said you just forgot about him until you ended up reading about him on my list. That's J.K. Dobbins, Mr. Ohio State, rewriting history books in college, and he was doing some nasty, nasty things getting ready before he went down with that injury. And the fact of the matter is that pie might not be as big as other rushing pies, but it is a juicy, juicy pie. That fruit is juicy. Like, look what Devontae Freeman's doing for you. Like I said, he's the waiver wire ad of the year for me. And uh, if he could do that, I think there's good hope for J.K. Dobbins when he comes back next year in that rushing game. Like I said, it was uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Laddie Murray, uh Devontae Freeman for, for a while and a ragtag bunch of everybody and anybody. So when you get an elite guy like J.K. Dobbins back, I think he's going to be the value of 2022. Yeah, definitely. And what I said, uh, I, I actually po- posted a tweet a while ago. Uh, I can't find it. But Devonta Freeman has gotten 57% of 57% snap share. Um, in I think seven weeks, uh, seven of eight weeks played. Uh, this was I posted this a couple weeks ago. J.K. Dobbins only had that six times in his rookie season. You get if his snap share grows, if his opportunity share grows, man. J.K. Dobbins has an opportunity to be an absolute monster. I understand Gus Edwards is coming back as well and breathing down his neck and stuff, but man, you. There, he was so underused. He was so underused. It's ridiculous. And if you start using him to the extent like Devonta Free, Devonta Freeman, even a little bit more than Devonta Freeman, well, his premium that he brings with that is massive. His target premium, his his premium, just his run in points, his fantasy points premium was so impressive. I think it was top ten among running backs in his rookie season. So he was just completely underutilized and disrespected. So definitely not, uh, definitely a fan of that one. I completely forgot about that one. Um, but otherwise, here at the uh, Gold Jacket Podcast, we take family very seriously. We know that family doesn't always stop at the bloodline. It's a word that ensures trust. It's a word that, well, around here, means that I know that I can count on you to have my back. Viridian Global is family. A family of the Fantasy Collective. And that is the exact reason Viridian Global will have your back. And I don't just mean literally covering your back in the best apparel they can possibly outfit you in. I mean at every step of the way, from finding the brand that fits you best, to tracking your order, to making sure you are fully satisfied at every step. With over 50 brands a part of the Fantasy Football Collective family, what are you waiting for? Join the family now. VeridianGlobal.com. That was a quick trigger there, Jim. Man, <laughs> I fat figured that off. Whoa, don't ever hover above before, <laughs> before we go bananas, um, I don't know if you got the updates, but heartbreaking news, man. John Madden just passed away, 85 years old. That is some very sad stuff, especially because, you know, 
Madden, the video game is named after him. He rewrote so much for football. He wrote so much for football that we see today. I just so, watched the Madden documentary on Christmas Day. I know. Isn't that crazy? So, yeah. So, yeah. rest in peace to John Madden, a crucial, crucial part of the NFL today and for the future, for sure. But, Jim, it's time. My house is falling apart. <laughs> it's time for a more positive step forward and going banana sponsored by monkey knife fight. What do you got for us? All right, man, let's do this. So we got a Sunday extravaganza that I'm rolling with. Uh, I get to pick whatever I want because it's my show, my segment, and I got more than one game to pick. So I picked the Kansas city chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going for one and a half tutties, and we're going for Tyreek. I know he only had two catches for 12 yards. Hill, we're going for Travis. I know I'm coming off the COVID list, Kelsey. And we're going with Joe. It's okay. Don't you know I'm going to play Mixon? Um, these are the three that I'm rolling with. Obviously, if Travis Kelsey stays in the COVID list, I will be swinging that real fast to um, Jamar Chase. Uh, but that's it for right now. You're muted, my friend. They did just make it a lot easier if you uh, are asymptomatic because now instead of 10 days is five days. So um, that, uh, you know, the NFL continues to change your rule book on COVID by the week. So there's a chance that Travis Kelsey could be back for this performance that you plan for going bananas. So. Also, go to monkeynetfight.com right now at MKF on Twitter. Sign up using that promo code TNFF, and you can get a 100% deposit match up to $100. So definitely uh, go take advantage of that and join Jim one last time. And maybe, you know, he might throw some out there as a playoff. Um, we'll see what Jim's feeling like as the season goes on. But keep an eye out for him at Gold Jackie QBs on Twitter because that's where he drops a lot of them. Uh, if he's just feeling it one day, you know, just sitting there taking care of the girls. And he's like, Damn, uh, that's a good looking matchup. This week was busy with uh, going Christmas out of town and, and seeing holidays. people. And, yeah, and getting the jolly fat man his cookies, you know. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Listen, it's all good. We were all, we were all busy. We were all busy with that. So I, I don't blame you on that front. But now it's time for Gold or Fool's Gold. One last time I'm giving you your starts and sits in the championship week. Listen, I understand. It's quite obvious. If you got your studs, if you drafted them as such, if you drafted them in the first like six rounds and they're still healthy, you're playing them. And you can absolutely ignore me, more, ignore me but I'm going to give you fair warning. And this is sponsored by Trophy Smack. Make sure your fantasy league champion feels well-respected and like a real-world champion with Trophy Smack. Sure, a virtual sleeper trophy is cool and the money you win feels good in your wallet, but with over 1,000 customizable trophy combinations, championship belts, and rings to choose from, you can commemorate your league's champion in style. Use the promo code TNFF with your purchase and receive a free championship ring. That's trophysmack.com and promo code TNFF at checkout. Let's get into it with the quarterbacks. Gold for me, Kirk Cousins up against the Green Bay Packers. Cousins is currently the QB9 on the season with nine top 12 finishes through 15 weeks. He is throwing a career low interception percentage and has six 25-plus point finishes, including a 28-point finish against the Packers last time they met a few weeks back. Green Bay is the worst 
team against quarterbacks over the last five weeks with five straight multi-touchdown games allowed and 425-plus point performances over the last five weeks. The first of those was Kirk Cousins. Game script should lead to Minnesota letting the ball fly. The last five straight weeks, the opposing team against Green Bay has scored at least 20 points, including three games where there was 30-plus points scored by the opposing team. So I got Kirk Cousins for gold. Fool's gold, Ryan Tannehill against Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are surprisingly the number one team against quarterback position over the last five weeks. They haven't even allowed a quarterback to score a touchdown through the air and have only allowed two on the ground. Quarterbacks average 12 points per game. Understandably, the competition hasn't been great, but Tannehill hasn't exactly delivered from a fantasy perspective with four straight performances at less than 20 points. Dayton seven games back, he hasn't eclipsed 21 points for fantasy. Beyond A.J. Brown, the weapons aren't there, the performance hasn't been there, and the Titans' defense makes it possible for Tannehill to be bad for fantasy because they have gone three straight weeks not allowing their opponent to score 20 points. So that's the quarterbacks. Running backs, I got Javante Williams and Malvin Gordon against the L.A. Chargers as gold this week. Williams and Gordon have been split near 50-50 all season, minus when Melvin Gordon's been injured. And they've been tough. It's been tough to decide on who to play, but this is a matchup where both have top 12 upside, if not both landing in the top 24. The Chargers are fifth worst against running backs over the last five weeks, including last week giving 28 points up to Rex Burkhead as a Houston Texan. Five of the last seven weeks, a top running back has delivered 15 plus points. When facing comparable duos, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott, both Running backs have been able to put up 15 or more points against the Chargers. Fool's gold, Michael Carter against Tampa Bay. I understand Carter is back and looking good, coming off a career-best 16 and 118 rushing performance, and this will have managers playing in the championship, likely throwing him into their flex spot. Pump the brakes. Tampa has been a much-improved defense, including third-best against the run over the last five weeks. They even held Jonathan Taylor to 19.7 points. They have a streak of three weeks without a back reaching 15 points. This includes a matchup against Alvin Kamara. Seven games ago was their last 20-point running back, Antonio Gibson. This Jets offense won't fool anyone in Tampa. Plus, they will be focused. They will be forced to head to the air as Tampa will likely destroy them. And as we know, Wilson doesn't really like to check down to Michael Carter all that much. So not a great matchup for Mike Carter, Michael Carter, and not a great situation for him either. Wide receivers, I got Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham. The two of them against Baltimore is gold. Van Jeff and OBJ are the clear second and third fiddle to cup. And last week was not great in a fairly nice matchup. Stafford threw the most picks in a game this season and threw for less than 200 yards for the first and only time this season since becoming a Ram. Less than 250 for only the third time this season. It was clearly a very off game. In the last nine weeks, Stafford has thrown less than 30 times only once. The Ravens' run defense has been strong and Daryl Henderson's out now. While their secondary completely is completely mangled by injuries, they are the only team in the last five weeks to be given up over 1,000 yards to wide receivers, giving up the most touchdowns at eight and the second most points per game. One of five teams giving up 40-plus. Look at last week against the Bengals. All the Bengals and the, the Ravens. All three wide receivers had 15-plus points. Boyd, 
Higgins, and Chase. Van Jeff and OBJ are easy flex plays with wide receiver one upside in this very juicy matchup. And obviously this goes without saying Cooper Cup is a smash play. Fool's gold, Terry McLaurin up against Philadelphia Eagles. This may be very surprising, but two teams are allowing less than 500 yards in the last five weeks to wide receivers. The Dolphins and the Eagles. The Eagles secondary has faced some Mac QBs throughout the season, but has been solid all year with only four wide receivers managing 20 plus fantasy points through 15 weeks. They don't give up big plays and Darius Slay has been a top shutdown corner all year. Always player studs is true, but considering McLaurin was drafted as a fringe wide receiver one or a low end wide receiver one, he's overall been only okay as a wide receiver 24 so far and fallen the the matchup isn't great the offense hasn't been good and mclaurin's is mclaurin is suffering for it by average ppr output output it's his worst fantasy season yet through three years at 12 and a half points tight end last but not least gold i got gerald everett against the detroit lions two teams are giving up 20 plus points per game to the tight end position over the last five weeks that's cincinnati and Detroit. Everett has been an effective weapon for Russ in a rather stagnant offense. He's seen four plus targets in six of the last seven games, touchdowns in three of the last five, and five of the last seven, he's produced 10 plus fantasy points. Five of those, all five of those games, top 12 showings, two of them top five. The Lions have heart and give teams a run for their money, but that's about it. It's been five straight weeks allowing a tight end to score 12-plus points, including 10 of 15 weeks this season, allowing a team's lead tight end to score 10 or more points. Two of the misses actually landed between 9 and 10 points as output. So put Gerald Everett in, flex him in, or put him in as a stream at tight end for sure if you're in a jam. Fool's gold. He was my gold last week, but I'm returning to the well with Kyle Pitts against Buffalo, and I know that everybody's going to play him if they own him. Pitts bloomed last week in a juicy matchup and now faces the second-best team against fantasy tight ends over the last five weeks. In the last nine games, the Bills have allowed only two tight ends to score 10 or more points. The last 15-plus point tight end was week five, Travis Kelsey, and he was the only tight end to manage that against this Buffalo Bills defense seven tight ends have scored five or less including four of those happening in the last seven weeks Pitts owners will go down in the ship and call him their must start stud despite ranking eighth highest in per game output among tight ends and tight ends is a very ugly position 11 points per game the the volume has been there but he is desperately needing some support to draw attention away from him he's only found the end zone once this year Managed five catches only five times and 75 yards only four times. The positive, two of those 75-yard games were the last two weeks, and he has scored 11-plus points in three straight. So I'll give you some positives there, but it's just probably not the week, probably not the matchup for Kyle Pitts. But that's my Golden Fool's Gold sponsored by Trophy Smack. Jim, anything you want to add? No, I'm uh, I'm I'm good with those, man. I love it. Uh, oh no, um, yeah, I like it. I like it. I think uh, I think Kyle Pitts, you know, has disappointed <laughs> thought, some people. 
I thought you'd love that. I thought you'd love He's had some good matchups. Listen, I gave it to him last week, but this week, man, you're up against, you are going for the championship. You're up against the second best team against a team that has only allowed 15 points to a tight end once this season. 10 plus, what, two times, three times, I said. That's not a matchup you want to sit there and say, this is my stud, my start player. That's, I'm sorry. If he had put up 10 plus points every single week, 15 plus points, if he had found the end zone four or five times, this would be a whole different thing. He wouldn't even be on this list. I wouldn't even be talking about him. But sadly, yeah, but it's candy and nuts, my friend, but they're not. So he the, is the seemingly gold jacket hate towards Kyle Pitts remains. But trust me, throughout the offseason, I I'll think pay a premium for will change. I think I'll pay a premium for him in a couple of years. And I said I would. Just like no Travis problem. Kelsey, just like, you know, George Kittle. Or, well, maybe not Darren Waller this year, but Darren Waller leading up to this year. Those You start to see it. You start to say, okay, I'll play. I'll pay your premium. I'll do that. Yeah. Because you don't find these guys every day in the tight end market. So No, you don't find guys that score, what, how many seasons of 1,000 yards? <laughs> and listen, I understand people are sitting there and they're like, oh, yeah, Kyle Pitts is about to break this rookie record and he's almost 1,000 yards. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an extra game on the docket now. A 1,000-yard season should be out the window. Yards, we should, 59 yards per game. We should be we should be looking at 1,200-yard seasons as a new norm. Like these 1,000-yard seasons should be out the window. You got an extra week to play with now. That's my personal perspective. I know that's Ty's perspective in our group chat uh, uh, at Dynastradamus. He's like, man, a thousand's a thousand. You got an extra game. Look at the direction of offenses in the NFL. If you're still looking at a thousand yards, damn, you're you're selling for some lower standards. You should be looking for twelve hundred. You should be looking fifteen hundred. Look at Cooper Cup this year. That's no. The let's look at let's look at Justin Jefferson back to back fourteen. Exactly. That's what you should be looking at, especially if you're talking like a top five wide receiver. If you're talking about a top tier guy, a dude you really want to talk about day in and day out that you have zero concerns about, that's the type of production we need to start seeing. And listen, I don't deny it, Kyle Pitts probably will reach that production. He definitely in will two, reach three that years. threshold someday. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed. In three years, I'll pay my three first round picks. I'm not going to pay it now and let them sell my team. <laughs> I love it, but, but that's that's, that's it. it. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That is it. Thank you, everybody, for listening and supporting us. Make sure you rate, review, like, or subscribe wherever you listen or watch. We truly do appreciate every single one of you. Um, also, thanks to our incredible sponsors, Monkey Knife Fight, Trophy Smack, Radiant Global, and our partners over at the True North Fantasy Football Network, which you can find right above Jim's head. TrueNorthFFB.com, at TrueNorthFFB on Twitter, and the TNFF Network on YouTube. Make sure you go and smash subscribe there. Hit the following. Um, follow Jim at GoldJacketQBs, as always, especially if you want to put some of that Monkey Knife Fight dollars to good use. He may be throwing up some uh, some tutty dances that maybe. you may want to follow. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. And follow me at Connor10 on Twitter as well. That's T-E-N. We're going to take two weeks off. We're going to enjoy week 18 and the wildcard round of the playoffs as things end in the 2021 fantasy season. And then we're coming back with an exciting new sponsor. That's all you need to know. Make sure you come back to us on Tuesday, 
January 18th to find out who that sponsor is. And we're going to kick off our off-season work. We got so many guests that we are preparing to line up. We got so many shows lined up. This is two weeks off. We promise you that's all. And then we are going hard for the off-season as always. Um, and I mean, God, we look, we went hard all off-season, right through the season. It's time to give us a break, right, Jim? Absolutely. You get two weeks off for the union company. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Gold Jacket Podcast Union has spoke, and we are taking two weeks off. But until then, it is not see you next Tuesday, but it is see you on Tuesday, January 18th.